Welcome to another episode of Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Uh, Derek, it's been a bit of a long week here. It's been a busy one. Um, but right now, we are getting ready to go. My son and I are heading to the French River. Oh, excellent. Yes, uh, that was the trip I was supposed to go on you, and I backed out. Bailed, backed out, <laughs> cancelled, yes. reneged yes. on. <laughs> yeah, that's the one, Derek. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're, we're heading up there, just the two of us. It'll be a nice uh, father-son bonding time. We don't get to do it as much as we used to because, uh, you know, he's in college now and he's, you know, out with his friends and he's got gigs with his band and he's working security and at the amphitheater and all that sort of stuff. So busy, it's busy. nice. Oh, he's a busy boy now. You know, he, he wants the toys and the... And all the uh, fun times, and he's got the job to pay for it, then, you know, it's less money out of my pocket. But, uh, yeah, you know what, we, we enjoy spending time together, so we, uh, we're going to do another little trip there. Um, but uh, just doing some research, and I've noticed, you know, a lot of people, they think you just load up the truck and throw the canoe on, and off you go. Um, you know, with your map in your, in your uh, pocket there, and all laid out. But I've noticed that there's a whole lot of things that you got to watch for. Seasonal backcountry hazards, as I've been calling them. Yes. Um, takes a little bit more research nowadays to uh, make your way into the backcountry. Yeah. And there's been a lot of things coming to light lately. Just because before we, we talked about going to the French River, uh, we're looking, you know, maybe we'll just go to Algonquin Park which is, I mean, we both love that place. And, you know, we all take them to a new spot in Algonquin Park and is doing some research. And that's when I started getting into the things that you run into and, and just starting to take notice of them more now. Um, one of them, of course, the, the biggie, which we've touched on before, forest fires. Yes. Um, there's been a couple of them in Algonquin Park uh, that have, um, well, the one, the one on the east side was had people evacuated. Yeah, and High the Falls area. And closed area. in the High Falls area. It was, there's recently been, what, four fires in Algonquin Park. Yeah. And right now there's only one remaining, it's, it's on almost. Yeah, out. they say it's on hold, uh, is being held. Being held. Yeah. Um, and people are being let back to the area, but uh, yeah, you know, like, I mean, we've paddled areas where forest fires have gone through previous years and stuff. And you think, okay, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's neat to see what's, what's happened, uh, you know, a couple of years after the forest fires, but, um, and I, I, I don't want to now being naive or anything like that, but you tend to think of when you're looking at it, it's always happening way up North, uh-huh. far above yes. where we typically go, you know, like within a couple of hours of Toronto or a few hours of Toronto, but these ones are actually right there. They're happening right where we spend a lot of time. Yes. And, um. You know, so yeah, this is actually affecting us now. It's not going to affect us. You know, it's something that we happened three years ago and no one was around sort of thing. But I think the summers are getting drier, right? So, oh, uh, it's and been I, so I'm, hot and dry. I'm it's noticing not funny. that like this is, this summer in particular was, uh, I think the weather's finally broke now with the temperatures just starting to drop down to a comfortable level, but it, it's been just so hot and so dry. Like I, I haven't had to, <laughs> I haven't had to mow my lawn since May. I, yeah, I think we've, I think we mowed our lawn once, maybe twice this year. Yeah. It's just, you know? we're not getting any rain. No, no rain. Um, yeah, everything's drier than dry. We, we bought, uh, my wife got these flower towers for Christmas and you fill them with, with, um, dirt and you plant flowers all around the sides. So it's this giant column and it bushes out. So it looks like a giant flower tree, but with everything being so dry, no matter how much you water them, they're... It's, nothing's growing, nothing's staying, the, the flowers yeah. are dead, the grass is dead and, you know, I'm saving money on gas from a lawnmower and. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't have to, uh, shovel my driveway more than once last winter and this summer I haven't had to mow my lawn. It's, uh, it's kind of a pro and con there. I kind of. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. You're, you're happy that you're not having to mow the lawn and, and shovel the driveway, yeah. but uh, Yay, global on the warming. other hand, <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't mind some green grass there and, uh. You know, the dog likes to go out and eat the grass and even he's looking at me like, dude, grow your grass. <laughs> <laughs> grow your grass. I need something to eat. I, I need to, I need something to eat and come in and barf up on your floor. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, yeah, there's there's a couple things. There was a map there I was looking at for Algonquin Park, and it shows different um, advisories. Yes, that are in the park, and yeah, there's there's the forest fires ones. Uh, one of them, which is like really close, because they list stuff that is um, human and lightning for fires. fires. Yeah. Right. And they're, they're, yeah, the ones that they're showing in, in, um, Algonquin were human. Yeah. All camper caused Mm -hmm. people not controlling their campfires, people not making sure their fires are out when they leave their site or just people having too large of a fire on their campsite and having a big bonfire and it spreads. Well, and that's it. And uh, one of the places we like to go is near Mew Lake, um, Canis Bay. Yes. And it's a paddle in, right? You, yeah. So you paddle across the lake and there's some paddle in sites or you can camp right, you know, car camp as well. Um, but one of the sites is now closed as a result of a human caused fire. And I mean, that is close. Yeah. I mean, there's tons of campers right there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, and I mean, that's out of control. I mean, you're right along the highway 60 corridor. Yeah. And that's, that's got the potential for huge Huge devastation. Oh yeah. Like with the summer so dry, like fortunately in recent days, there's uh, been a lot more rain and that's helped them control like the uh, High Falls area fire. And, uh, but before there's, they had a complete and total fire ban in Algonquin Park in, uh, was it early August? So it was just, conditions were just so so seriously dry that, uh, like they were, they were even telling people that if you, uh, you couldn't take anything that didn't have a fuel shut off valve. So if yep. you had an alcohol stove, like a little pot, alcohol pot stove, you weren't allowed to take no, that. Had if to you have a had a fuel. twig stove, you're not allowed to bring your twig stoves. Yeah. So white gas, propane, whatever, that's all you're allowed to take in. Yeah. It's, uh, the risk now, I mean, so there's, high. there's people that said that this, they waited too long to throw the uh, extreme fire ban out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah. they should have been on it sooner. Yeah. Unfortunately. But uh, yeah, you're just looking at that. But you know what? That also gets you thinking about the other things besides the fires. I mean, the fires are pretty drastic. Yeah. You know, uh, another thing they've had this year on a couple of the lakes is algae blooms. Yes. And this was, uh, it's, it's back this year. I think what the first time they had an issue with it was 2012. 2000 and... Was it 12? 12 or 14. Uh, it was an even 2014. number. 2014. Yeah. 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 And, uh, Dixon Lake, the, and the south end of, uh, Lavalier, yeah. um, there's Hardy Bay and, uh, yeah, they found it, um, in 2014, there was a blue green algae and again this year in May, they found it. Yeah. And what I found interesting is it's like you, I get algae in my pond, right? But the problem with this algae is that, uh, it, it covers most of the lake. Like you can see from there that changes yep. the color of the water, but uh, it's not easily filtered and you can't boil it out of the water. They were saying on the website that boiling the water with the algae in it doesn't remove the algae. It, it releases the toxins out of the algae. So it's, uh, it's hazardous to health for animal and for human. And, uh, and you can't treat the water to remove it. So it's just, they they don't allow people to camp on the lakes. I guess they still let, they can't block the canoe route, but they don't, uh, they don't, uh, reserve or, uh, let people book the, uh, the campsites the on campsites, those lakes. Yeah. Well, it says the, um, um, hard to detect except for the color and it, some forms of the algae can pose health risks to pets and humans. Yeah. And of course your dog, I mean, my dog leans over the side of the canoe and drinks. You can't stop them. You're not going to stop them, yeah. you know, and. Why not? Uh, your your say, dog can't read the warning signs? No, no. <laughs> he, he can do other things, but he can't. He can sing and dance, but he can't read. <laughs> um, <laughs> goodness gracious, a singing frog. Uh, <laughs> the following precautions are recommended. People or pets should not consume untreated, boiled, or filtered water. Consumption of fish is not recommended. Oh, yes, yes. It gets into the fatty tissues. If eating fish, avoid eating the skin, organs, and fatty tissues. So that's pretty much don't eat the fish. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, minimize direct contact with water. Yeah. Because you're going to get it in your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your nose, whatever. Yeah. So if you're paddling through, try not to get it all over your hands. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, do not use water for food preparation or bathing. <laughs> that's, that's pretty serious when you can't even bathe with the water, right? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, they, they go on to say the blue-green algae are microscopic organisms that are naturally present in lakes and streams, usually present in low numbers but can, under right conditions, rapidly increase and form blooms that discolor the water and produce floating rafts or scum. Yuck. But, uh, yeah, there's a couple lakes now in, in Algonquin. Uh, Dixon and Lake Lavalier and Ryan Lake. Yeah. And the Hardy Bay there in Lavalier are, are closed. And these were the same lakes that were hit a few years in ago. In 214, yeah. So the algae is knocked down in the winter, but it stays, it's prominent, I guess, in those lakes. And now is there, I'm curious why it doesn't spread to other lakes. Don't know. They don't, they don't get into any of that. Huh. So, yeah, it's weird. It must just be something that's, that's naturally occurring in those, those exact lakes that just doesn't go anywhere else. And I suppose it's not worth treating a lake, like. I don't think a lake that size, I don't think you can. How you couldn't, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, along with forest fires, you got things like the algae blooms, yeah. which, you know, isn't everywhere, but you know, when you're, you're planning your trip. Yeah. All of a sudden you look into it and they're saying, well, you can't uh, go to that lake. And you're like, oh, okay. Uh, another one which we've encountered many times in Algonquin Park, um, the low water levels. Oh, Yes. And I mean, there's a whole lot of lakes with low water levels and rivers especially. Yeah. And I mean, they're saying, you know, you're, you're trying to do a route, you know, a giant loop or something like that. Um, and all of a sudden you're coming across big chunks of rivers and whatnot that are so low, you, you're going to be carrying your yeah, you, canoe you down these to, rivers. There's one, there's one near uh, Little Joe or Big Joe that's, uh, was it uh, Sun, Sun, Sunbeam? Sunbeam sun Oh, Sunbeam's a beautiful little lake. Sunbeam to Jay Lake. Yeah. Vanishing Pond. Vanishing and that's pond. why it's called yeah. Vanishing Pond. And I, I've been up there and trying to do that and you end up walking the shoreline, dragging the canoe through mud. Yeah. So it's, uh, and you know, I was thinking, oh, low water levels. It doesn't seem that low right now. But yeah, it's, it's some lakes just go low without being evident. Yeah, Vanishing Pond is just like pfft, nothing. Yeah. yeah. Um, we actually we hit Vanishing Pond the last time we did a little loop um, up through Joe and and into Sunbeam. Um, if if you're ever in Algonquin Park, one of the most beautiful lakes is Sunbeam. Yeah. But uh, when we were coming back the other way, we we did the Vanishing Pond way, and it was there was just enough water to float the canoe. Yeah. Like if it had been any hotter and, you know, you lost one more inch of water <laughs> that we couldn't have gone through. I mean, it was all mud and sludge and yeah. and everything else, right? So, uh, but yeah, low water levels are, are another thing you've got to look out for, uh, another seasonal hazard. And this one I've never heard of in Algonquin before. Um, a couple of the beaches in Algonquin Park are closed Mule Lake Campground Beach, uh, Canis Bay, and Whitefish Camp, uh, Whitefish Group Campground Beach. So these e. are right on the E. coli. E. coli. These are on the right on the Highway 60. These corridor. are right on Highway 60. These are like big, like your, your car camping campgrounds. Yeah. You know, everybody goes to Mule Lake and there's a nice beach there. Everybody hangs out at the beach. Well, no, you can't now. Uh-huh. Like I, I, I know this from... You know, uh, Lake Ontario. Yeah, don't go down to these Toronto, Toronto uh, beaches uh, because there's E. coli. You know, you can and bacteria and stuff. Normally, it's from sewage effluent and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and that's where you get the Lake Ontario uh, closures on those beaches. But they've cleaned up a lot of the effluent and and a lot more better treatment. But now I'm curious about Mew you know Lake Park is. is uh, are there are the porter potties or the uh, the pit toilets too close to the shoreline? Is something overflowing? Or so I'm curious what caused this outbreak. Yeah, I don't know. They're just uh, like I say, the, where I'm getting this information, there they're just showing. You know, here's all the uh, Algonquin Park advisories. Yeah, they don't give a reason. They or... don't give. You know, they just say what it is. And yeah, uh, the Mew Lake Campground Beach is closed until further notice. Bacterial samples for uh, what uh, E. coli. We're over the acceptable limits and this beach will remain closed until water tests confirm the beach is safe for swimming. Stay tuned for updates, information provided by the Friends of Algonquin Park. Huh. So yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> I don't know that you would be, a, if it's not sewage that's causing this. If you're in the back country, 
you're not going to know. Yeah, you won't know because yeah. they don't test those. You, no. They don't test the backcountry. And normally it's either human sewage or, or uh, if, a, if a lake or a beach is, is known to be frequented by uh, Canada geese or whatever, then that'll also bump up the E. coli levels, right? Yeah. So that's, uh, that's a new one that's uh, hanging around right now. But um, yeah, so you know what? Like it's not just simple jumping in your canoe with a map and... Yeah. And going. And one thing that uh, you can't prepare for is, uh, like, especially on summers that are hot and dry like this, mm-hmm. is uh, severe thunderstorms rolling in really quickly. And yeah. it, it's just it's just due to, uh, due to the extreme heat and dry weather, and it causes, when it does change, when it does turn, you have a severe thunderstorm whip through. Well, we've been having those... Um uh, I'm just north of Toronto, Toronto area, Oshawa. South Oshawa uh, was hit yeah, by a tornado. tornado. Yeah, winds and stuff. Uh, we were, we well, we were getting my daughter a new laptop for, because she starts university and we went into the mall to the Apple store, picked one out, came out and the water just started coming down. Huh. Um, yeah, I mean, your, your windshield wipers are on full blast and you know, you're, you're doing 20 kilometers an hour. Yes. <laughs> but you know, we know people that were camping at the time and they're just Can like. Can you imagine? They're, you know what, you get up in the morning and you, you've not slept all night or you're sleeping in the car. You just bundle everything up. You're not even putting stuff away, folding it up in your tent and that. You're just bundling it all, throwing it in the back of the car, the, the trunk or the, the truck and you're heading home. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of that going on. Um, I mean, we've seen that and we've been in those situations where. There, yeah, the, the storm just comes up and you think, okay, well, the thunder and lightning storm's coming, but they can be brutal. Yes. When, when you start getting that. Heavy winds. Yeah. You're trying to watch out for trees that might fall. Yep. Listening for thunder and watching for lightning. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I've been caught in, I've never been caught in a thunderstorm, but I have been caught in heavy rains where it's just, it comes down so heavy, it's unbelievable. And you're thankful for a tarp. It's like, ah. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> huddled, huddled under the tarp and hopefully yeah. the wind's not blowing the room the rain straight in. Yeah. But we've been, uh, I took a buddy up to Cedar Lake. Um, oh, this must have been six years at least now. Um, and we were out fishing for the day and all of a sudden the sky everywhere just started going <laughs> black. So we packed it up and we raced back to the camp, to our, our, our site. And, uh, I mean, we were, we were on the south end of Cedar Lake and we could see the Brent Township store across the lake and, uh, the, the lightning hit the tree next to our tent. The oh. top of the tree came down into our tent. We weren't in it at the time, uh, but we had to throw tarps over top, um, bail out the tent. Um, wow. you, know, you ever use a frying pan to bail out your tent? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, we knew there was a, a storm coming and I mean, we got back on time and we had no, cl- apparently we were told there were six thunderstorm cells all converged on that area at the same time. And oh, the, the lightning, the thunder, the rain, you couldn't escape it. Yeah. The rain was coming from every direction and it was just like brutal. And yeah, I've never been caught in a storm like that before that or since. I mean, I've been in some wicked storms, but not like that. And, uh, yeah, just out of the blue. Just, yeah. yeah, you know what? Yeah, it looks like it's going to rain and then the darkness and then it was brutal. Like it in mild brutal. summers, you, you don't usually see severe weather like that. Like if it's just a, you know, a normal summer, you get rain every night type thing. It's just like, yeah, it's nice and calm, but it's these dry weather periods, you know, that, yeah. that you're at higher risk for, for thunder, lightning and, uh, forest fires. And it's just this type of typical type of summer that, that we've experienced this, this year, is, uh, there, there's severity on every spectrum. Yeah. And I mean, with the lightning, I mean, you, you look at the Ontario forest fire map and, uh, Red Lake, North Bay, Sioux Lookout, Cochrane, Wawa, Algonquin Park, uh, or Fort Francis, like a lot of lightning strikes yeah. are causing fires. So one of the fires in Algonquin no, was caused no, by I, lightning? No, I just misread that yeah, one. Yeah, but I think uh, all, all of them human. were, all of them are human yeah. Algonquin. Um, but yeah, there, there, there's all these lightning strikes starting fires now. And there's some, there's some doozies, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, I don't know. You just gotta go out there and hope for the best sometimes. Yeah. Hopefully it's not a trend for the worse. Yeah. 
Um, but these are some seasonal backcountry hazards you got to keep in mind when you're when you're going out and planning your trips and hopefully you know you you can get around all of these and have yourself a good trip anyway and uh yeah you know what we've done our research for the uh french river and i think we're there doesn't seem to be anything wonky where we're going <laughs> yeah <laughs> except us um but yeah you know what it should be good i think we're going out for five days i think it is nice and uh we've never been there and you know i haven't been up there in ages but uh I've never my been. son's never been there and uh we're going to check out a couple a couple new routes and you know, the French river itself and get out onto Georgian Bay into the islands there a bit. And, um, if hopefully we don't run into any rattlesnakes. And <laughs> <laughs> the Massasauga Rattler, yes. Yeah, yeah. If you get up by the visitor center, you got to check it out and let me know about it. Yeah, well, I think we got to buy our permits there, right? Yeah. Um, so we'll check that out and then head on in and park and uh, go from there. But I think we're, we're going to have a good time. And like I say, we hopefully no forest fires, no algae blooms, no low water and no E. coli. <laughs> and uh, we should be good. So, so let's take a break here and we come back and we got some more things to talk about. So stay tuned. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. Welcome back. Uh, we're going to talk now, something we've been ta- talking about, we seem to be coming around to quite a bit lately, are uh, Kickstarters. Uh, I got tagged in a Kickstarter event here because someone knows, uh, you know, I do my canoe trips and whatnot. There is a company called Energy Nomad. They also go by E-Nomad. They've got a Kickstarter for something called the E-Stream. Basically, it looks like a small torpedo with uh, fins on it. Um, The fins are like a fan that rotate. And what you do is you put this uh, device in moving water. And it's a generator. It's a charger. So the reason I got tagged in it is because part of their spiel is that you can tie it behind your canoe and as you're paddling, it's towing behind you with the, the fan moving and charging the battery. It takes four and a half hours to charge the battery and you can use this battery to charge all your USB um, devices, be it phones, GoPros, cameras, um, all that sort of stuff. And so we started doing a little research into it. And we found that there's a couple different companies that are doing this sort of thing. And they all seem to started with um, the Kickstarters. This one's still got, what, 25 days or 20 days or something left on it. Um, but uh, a bit expensive uh, when you start doing the U.S. conversion to Canadian. Um, if it was a Canadian, well, you know what, it'd be tempting. Uh, but, uh, yeah, kind of, kind of expensive to, to throw money at this. Uh, Tempting though. Yes, it is tempting. I was surprised at the price. It's a, it's a basic unit. It basically looks to me like the the lower power end of a trolling motor, an electric trolling motor. That's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. So it, uh, and it's small and compact, just like a, uh, very small trolling motor. It's, I like the design. I like the idea of it. And nowadays with, uh, with all your electronic devices, like GPSs, compass, or GPSs and, uh, phones and cameras and satellite phones and whatever, like everything needs charging, right? Yeah. And your typical cell phone power lasts a day, but you're not going to be using it in the back country. But if you're front country camping, then it, this, you need to charge some, a lot of your devices, right? And 
I'm seeing more and more often there's like every day you you go into the Best Buy or whatever and there's all kinds of little battery packs and charging packs but those need to be plugged into a wall. You can and for years I've been kind of flirting with the idea of buying a solar charging unit, right? So a, yeah. you know a battery backup with a solar panel and I've just I've just never bit the bullet on that one because I I just I don't know. I for the most part I can if my phone dies I go without, right? And usually I never turn my phone on for backcountry trips anyways. I lock it up in the car when I leave, but uh, it they phone my phone, my current phone, they're handy for taking pictures. So it does it's, it is nice having it on a camping trip. So there is a need for these power these backup power plants, right? And this yeah. one is a hydropower plant. It's free power, just like solar. Well, yeah, and see we my the reason I I I got looking into this i mean like i say i mean people tag me and stuff like this all the time but the reason i got looking into this one is i've taken the solar powered ones on long trips oh you have used it i've used the solar powered ones you lay them out on your packs as you're canoeing across the lake but if it is cloudy or overcast it does not charge all that well yeah you know so you know, they said, oh yeah, in five hours it'll fully charge and you're in a cloudy day and whatnot. Five, six, seven hours go by and it's still not fully charged, mm -hmm. you know. But this one here, like you say, if you take the little um, motor part off of an electric, like Minn Kota motor or something like that. Trolling motor, yeah. A little trolling motor. Um, take, it, take the little bottom part off the shaft. Um, that's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. And you tow this behind your canoe. So no sun is required. Um, no wind is required. You're moving. So it's, it's as long as you're moving, those fins are spinning, you know, like a little torpedo. And the other thing I like about this is the top of it is a waterproof light. Yeah. Like a camping light and it's yeah. waterproof. Yeah, it's waterproof and, and everything. Yeah. Um, they now, show they show them throwing it underwater, right? And it gives low light is sixty lumens and high light is ninety lumens. Mm -hmm. um, it, so it's it's a pretty neat device that way. And you mentioned towing by behind a canoe, but you can also if you're like and typically any trips that me and you go on, it's it's uh, flat water. Yeah, lakes and whatever. But I, I've been on. You know, I go, I do a lot of whitewater recently. And you just hang it in, you, you stake it out in the river and the water, the running river will charge the device. Yeah. I mean, I've camped next to rapids and waterfalls and stuff like that before. And yeah, you just find a nice place to latch it into, um, in the moving water. And, and that's all it has to be is water that is, well, is, is moving with enough current to spin the blades yeah. and it's charging four and a half hours for a full charge. Yes. So, I mean, yeah, you get to camp and say you're, say you're, you're camping next to uh, a fast moving river or something. Um, you put it in the river. By the time you've unloaded all your gear, set up camp, made dinner, eaten dinner, clean. I mean, there's a few hours there. Exactly. Yeah. And you've done nothing mm -hmm. except put this in the water. Yes. Um, really cool. Really cool. Very tempting. I mean, you're the king of Kickstarters in this place. Um, <laughs> yes. But I've really, and this is out of Los Angeles, I've really taken a liking to this thing. It's an uh, impressive little unit. I, like it's, uh, the the battery itself is a 6,500 milliamp hour battery. Mm -hmm. So it'll charge my phone maybe twice, maybe one and three quarter times, right? Right. So, yeah, but uh, you're, you're, you have a, what, uh, iPhone 5? Uh, yeah. So that, it probably charged that three, maybe four times. It's a smaller battery. So it's, it, that's not bad. The 6,500 milliamp battery is, 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 is not bad. It takes four and a half hours to charge it. The, uh, the output is seven and a half watts. So that's a, that's a good enough for a fairly speedy charge on a, on a device. Mm -hmm. So that, and so that's decent, right? It's, yeah. The, the specifications on this are really good. It's lightweight. It's just under two pounds. Yeah, 1.8 pounds. Yeah. Now, my thing is uh, lithium ion battery, shelf life of five years. Now, what, does, what are they talking about five years for? 
That means it'll hold the charge for five years or is that I the think after only... five years, your battery may start to deteriorate. Five, that's not a long time. No. I thought lithium ion batteries would last longer than that. Well, my thing is, are the batteries changeable? Can you then go out and buy another? Um, usually with these units, they're sealed units, right? So to maintain their waterproofness, especially the fact that this is meant to be in water is probably not serviceable by the end user. It would have to be sent back to the factory, I'm guessing, just to maintain yeah. that the, the the IPX8 waterproofness. Um, yeah, because the battery is yeah, it's in that plastic. Yeah, it's going to be enclosed. It's like changing a, an iPhone or a, or a mobile phone battery. It's not it's not simple. It's not easy. Yeah, and it's not one that I think you can just go and buy. It's, it's at not. The store. I don't think it's user serviceable. No, not unless you're want to take it apart and risk it. But yeah, uh, and for that price. You know. <laughs> but you know, if the battery does die, it's either throw it away or maybe try and service it yourself. Try and service it yourself. Or mm -hmm. maybe they do have a, here's how you do it. And I mean, you got to be able to take screws out and yeah. take it apart. And maybe it is just a plug in and play. Um, it is a nice device. I do like it. I am impressed by it, but mm -hmm. it's, it, it's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. It says once fully charged, the battery can charge up to three smartphone phones, GoPros, or even tablet PCs twice as fast as a regular outlet. Yeah. So, and that's because it's seven and a half watts. So mm -hmm. most, uh, most, uh, like a, uh, an iPad charger is like five watt, two amp. Yeah. And that's for a fast charge. Uh, fast charging on my phone is a five watt, two amp charger. Uh, the, the, uh, typical iPhone brick is what, uh, one amp or something. It's very low powered. Yeah. I'm not sure on that uh, one. Like the iPhone brick doesn't even charge my phone is so low powered but this is so this is this outputs a lot of power you can do a fast charge on a typical typical uh mobile phone mm -hmm. so it's 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 powerful it it does output the power it, it's it's a decent little unit it also has patented modular 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 <laughs> modular yeah i don't think i can i can barely <laughs> say it one times fast <laughs> It also has patented modular design so that its application is extended from backup battery to lantern, speaker, Wi-Fi router, and much more. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah. I think it just says what you can plug it, plug things into. Oh, to charge to, stuff. To, yeah. To, and to make it used as different things too, right? Charge USB devices. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Lantern, but it's not a speaker. Underwater lantern. Um, yeah, I don't know what I was saying about a speaker. You just said about a, you could do a speaker. I guess you plug a powered speaker into it. Oh, so a power supply. Yeah. yeah. I know I've got a little round speaker. Um, I can plug into a USB and plug into like my iPhone. Yeah. So I can put, or my iPod or something okay. like that. So I can play the music out of this little thing, but it's, it has, it's rechargeable. Yeah. So I can plug it into the side of my my laptop and play okay. music out of it. So this is probably what this thing. You plug yeah. that in to, to charge it and there's your speaker, right? It is a power supply. Yeah. yeah. Um, backup power. So yeah, for when you're off the grid. Um, it's basically though, like this is, it's a really good device. It's uh it is expensive. It's a green product, right? Yeah, it's, but it is, the problem is, is, is the price point. And, yeah. but you know, with Kickstarter campaigns, they're developing something. They're developing something that's not on the market. And, and that's the prime purpose of what Kickstarter is. That's what it's all about. It's, it's people who have an idea, want to get it to market. And ideally you, if you can have people pay ahead of time, it gives you your funding to build the device and with mo in most cases, in like I think ninety percent of the cases, the purpose is you get the device to market, and then you get to keep building it for the larger open market. But it starts with people investing in the Kickstarter. So this here, I think we're going to see a lot more of this type of device coming up in the future. Everybody's trying to find some way to charge portable devices for backcountry usage or zombie apocalypse or whatever, right? Well, you know, those zombies, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. You know what? And if it's free um, energy. Exactly. Then that's what people are looking yes. for. Like, yeah, the solar, the wind, the, the hydro. 
um, you know, like the water, the, if they can get it. But when we're looking at, at this, now it's funny because I was looking at the comments to, you know, people saying, hey, this is great or whatever. And one of the first comments I saw was by another company saying, hey, this looks just like their product. Exactly. And that's Blue Freedom. And Blue Freedom. We, we took a look at that. That was a Kickstarter campaign from two years ago. Yeah. And was it successful? I don't... It sounds like it was successful. Uh, they mm-hmm. really didn't go into too much on it. Yeah. But... Um, I went to the website and took a look at it. It was, uh, unfortunately, I, I, I looked at it on my phone, so they don't have a mobile website, so it's yeah. really hard to read pictures. But the, with, uh, with the eNomad, the, fi- the fan blades fold in, it folds up, so it's compact and stores. But the other one that is comparable to Blue Freedom... It has a, it looks like a uh, small desk uh, fan that uh, for, you know, air in your office or cubicle or whatever. So it's more of a turbine type thing. And, uh, so, but it doesn't fold down. So it's, it's rather large. It's, it's bulky. It, it doesn't fold up. It doesn't fold up. So it's, uh, and again, in the E-Nomad, it's very compact. It reminds me of the old, the, the old disc men's disc yes, men that yes, came out. Yeah. You know, when they, when they first, the portable, uh, d- uh, CD players, yeah. well, it, um, it, with it, a fan in the middle of it. It was reminding me of like one of those little fans that you can plug into your USB for your, uh, laptop or whatever to yeah. like, cool yourself on an airplane or something. Yeah. And, uh, well, I don't know. Um, but yes, I started looking at this one and it is $320 yeah. plus shipping. That's U.S. dollars. Yeah. So, so you know, again, because we're in Canada, it's a and the the market the way it is, the exchange rate, you know, it's it, it's a really uh, it's a detriment with the exchange rate. Well, and and that's I, that's one of the things that's stopping me from this e nomad is um, the price, the 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 conversion from U.S. Yeah. to to Canadian. You know, I mean, you're looking at an extra 80 bucks. Say three, because the one, the, uh. E-Nomad is both. The E-Nomad, it was like 30 extra dollars for. Shipping. For shipping, right? So 319, you say call 320 plus another. So you're looking at 350 US. That's $450 Canadian. For, for that. The for the Blue Freedom? Freedom. Yes. Right? Uh, 300, 450 bucks is a lot of money. And the Enomad would be two hundred and eighty. Two hundred and eighty for so that's one hundred and seventy dollars cheaper. <laughs> yes, I was like, wow. Yeah. So, but if it was, yeah, would if, you if, get if, your money's worth out of that? That's the problem. You know what? It all depends on what you're going to, like if I was, if I was using my GoPro more and more. Yes. You could recharge your GoPro mm-hmm. batteries and you could be out off the grid camping and doing whatever yeah. video and photography work that you do. Yeah. So it would make sense more for you. Uh, for me, uh, I, I, I can do without the power because I don't have devices that I have to have. Well, my big, my DSLR cameras, they got the big batteries with the big battery pack and those can't charge by USB. Um, my cell phone, I don't take sat phone. I don't have my spot unit doesn't charge with a USB. Um, yeah, I mean, so you got to think about what you're going to charge and is it, if it's, yeah, you know what, like, like I say is for 280 bucks, you get backup power. And a, a funky underwater light. <laughs> <laughs> so part of you, you know, part of the, part of me is sitting there going, you know what, this would be really cool. I'm sure I could probably find a use for it. Even with other people that I know, if, if we are on a canoe trip and somebody else brings something, then you just throw it overboard and they can charge. Well, when we were on our trip, one of the reasons we brought the the solar panel was to charge our iPads because or our iPods because we had the the speakers that when we put it in front of a metal bowl, yeah. the metal bowl acted like a speaker. Yes. Like it, 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 it amplified the sound. Um, but you're sitting there playing music for a couple of hours. Your, your, your iPod 
burns good. down. Yes. Right? So you'd plug this in and boost the power back mm-hmm. up. Um, and if you, this would be great if you had one of them and everybody had devices. Yes. Right? Everybody had one device or something like that. Then mm-hmm. you know what? This would definitely make sense. Exactly. And for me, I think, it, for for my personal uses, I don't think it would serve its purpose for me, I think it would be fantastic in the zombie apocalypse because everybody's, you know, if you, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because you're going to be begging for power then. But yeah, it's, uh, I really like the idea. I really like the design. It's a neat and tidy compact unit. I'm just, it, it's one of those things where really, are you going to get the bang for the buck? Yeah. You know what it's, and that's what it comes down to. I mean, if, if, Somebody showed this to me and said, you know, it's going to cost you 150 bucks Canadian. I'd probably shell it out. I would too. I would do it right today. But I'm closer to twice that at 300 Canadian. It's a little bit too And much. that's, that's, uh, you know, it's free energy. You tow it behind the canoe, you throw it in the water, as long as the water's moving and you've got power there. In four and a half hours, you've got enough power to charge whatever. But that means you've got to be bringing whatever <laughs> on your trips. Yes. So that, like I say, I mean, two pounds doesn't sound like much, but if you got to carry two pounds over the course of a couple of weeks on portages and everything like that, <laughs> just for a funky light. I weigh so much weight when I go camping anyways, it wouldn't matter if I carried an extra two pounds. Yeah. Really neat idea. Um, energynomad.com. Check it out. And uh, take a look and uh, give us your thoughts on this. We'll probably post a uh, uh, a link to their um, Kickstarter page on our Facebook page. Yeah. Um, but you know what? Yeah. Really neat idea. I, li- I like the fact that it's free energy. I'd like to hear back from people on this. Send us a, drop us a line, send us a, a, a note on Facebook or whatever, and tell us what you think of this. Yeah. Energynomad.com. Take a peek at it and drop us a line. And, uh, well, I don't know, you know, like I'm, I'm right on the the fence about this, whether I buy one or not. It's just, unfortunately for me, it's like, it's, it's another thing that helps connect you to, to your electronic devices and, and often camping is a way to get away from that. Like I know for you, you do a lot of photography and, uh, movie making and videos. And so it makes more sense for you because this is your business. This is what you do for uh, your major hobby. So, but for me, it's, I, I, yeah, you know, I, I'd like, do you get away from the electronic devices or do you try and bring them more with you? Yeah. Well, and I know there is, uh, another, um, rather than the 180, I think it's like, 360, 360 US uh, plus shipping, which I guess it would be 30. So 390. For two? For two. So it gets it down to about 200 bucks each. 180 and 180 to 360. No, that's no difference. Yeah. They're not giving you a deal at all. No, what? no deal on two. <laughs> What's up with this? <laughs> buy, buy one for $9. Or special rate two for 18. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Buy two for twice as much. That's right. Oh, geez. Uh, So yeah, take a peek at it, energynomad.com and uh, drop uh, drop us a line, tell us your thoughts. And uh, I don't know, I'm on the fence. We'll see. (laughs) We'll be right back after this. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. Hey, this is Sean Rowley of Paddling Adventures Radio. When out on the water, a bad map can lead to a terrible paddling experience. That's why when paddling Tomogamy, Killarney, and Algonquin Park, I've come to rely on Jeff's map. If you're looking for a waterproof, tear-resistant map with paddling routes, portage data, historical points, and much more, then go to jeffsmap.com and see the maps I use. Available in print or in a downloadable format, jeffsmap.com. 
Well, we don't have a Derek's destination this week, but um, I came across something today that showed a bit of interest in uh, possibly doing. Uh, have you ever heard of the James Bay Road? <laughs> I have. I've been dreaming of doing that by motorbike for a few years. Well, I've never actually, I mean, I used to live up in Moosonia, so I don't know, I haven't heard of this, um, considering it's up that way. The James Bay Road is uh, located in uh, northeastern Canada in the province of Quebec. The James Bay Road runs north from Matagami to Radisson, 620 kilometers or 388 miles. Very remote. Uh, there's no towns along the road. Uh, there's one gas station um, on that route, uh, kilometer 381. Um, it was the only reason the road exists. It was built in the seventies for the hydro Quebec James Bay project, a big, uh, hydroelectric dam that's up there. Um, other than that, it, it connects a couple of towns and I was looking at the map here. Uh, you get to Matagami, then you up to Radisson and then you can go across to, uh, Chisasabi or, uh, Fort George. Um, which is right on the James Bay. And I'm thinking if we take a couple of canoes up there. <laughs> Absolutely. We could do some serious exploration up there. Um, I, I think that's something we should be looking into. Some James Bay paddling. It's actually almost right at the base of Hudson Bay. Yeah. Uh, it's about just over halfway up James Bay. Uh, it is a, it is a pretty neat looking place. I mean, I, like I say, I remember I lived up there. Um, it is the longest service free stretch of road in Canada. The farthest north, uh, sorry, a farthest from a town on a road in North America, the farthest north you can drive in Eastern North America and, uh, the largest municipality in the world. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty remote. Um, they definitely say you gotta, you gotta read up and, uh, keep an eye on road conditions and stuff like that. If you're going, um, there's no, no service, um, stations or anything. Like if you blow a tire and you need somebody to come and change it for you. Hey, good luck. Yeah. Ain't happening. And uh, there's, I guess people get bored of the scenery cause it's pretty much the same, like spruce and, and. Um, flat. I wouldn't find that boring at all myself. No, I've been looking at some of the pictures and you know what? It'd be, it'd be nice to get up there. It's just so remote. It is. And there's risk with remoteness, but there's also a lot of reward. Like, can you imagine <laughs> paddling on James Bay? It's like, oh, I'd love to do that. Yeah. I mean, there, there's some pictures they show, um, people have posted 381 kilometers and a little gas pump. You know? <laughs> Last gas for 381 kilometers. Yeah, and uh, just some of the scenery, some of the pictures they've taken from the side of the roads of the, the, the Hudson's Bay Lowlands and all that, or the James Bay Lowlands. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. The weather, you know, hit or miss. Uh, the bugs. If you don't like bugs, you're not going there. <laughs> <laughs> no, and the bugs up there would carry you away. Uh, probably. But it's a given. You, you have to accept some things, right? Well, definitely, definitely. But, I mean, if you wanted to ride your motorcycle... Well, if there's a vehicle. This would have a chase vehicle for you. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. You know what? If, yeah. if you just have to put a gas can in the back of the truck and. But if the thing is, it wouldn't work as a chase vehicle because you're not going to want to. I, I couldn't drive for 20 hours on the motorbike. Why not? <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. You'd have to have <laughs> different people switching out. Oh, well, okay. You drive the truck. I'll drive the motorbike. <laughs> And then, then, yeah, we can switch every so often. Yes. Can you drive for 20 hours? I could drive in a car for 20 hours. Really? Huh. Hmm. Well, what if we were to pull the motorcycle on a trailer <laughs> to Matagami? There you go. <laughs> and then you drive it that last 620 kilometers. I think what, I think I, the best idea right now is just to plan a canoe trip. Yeah, I've, we're looking at 20-hour drive regardless. So yeah. let's check this out, and uh, maybe next summer we 
take the wives on a canoe. That would be good. Yeah, that's how we're getting up there, buddy. That would be awesome. Yeah. Hey, can we go? No. You guys want to come? Okay. <laughs> that's our plan and we're sticking with it. Yep. The James Bay Road. Uh, just Google James Bay Road and uh, check it out on uh, on the internet. Well, thanks everybody for listening to another uh, episode here. Uh, Derek, the the turbine charger, still on the fence about that. I like the design. It's compact. It's a really good design. But the price point, it just kind of puts it out of the realm of possibility for me. Yeah, that's that's my big stickler right there is the is the price point. Uh, looking forward to my trip to the French River with my son. Um, it's going to be a good time, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, any time out of the out of the city is good. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the next couple shows are going to be a bit different. Uh, the next week's show is uh, we got a group of guys that did the meanest link in Algonquin Park. We're going to sit around and chat with them about that. And then there's uh, the show after that is with the Scarlet Brothers, John and Mark Scarlet, who've been canoe tripping for many, many years, longer than I've been alive. Uh, we're going to sit down and we've, we chat with them uh, about their many years experience. In the meantime, thanks very much for listening, everybody. Uh, check us out at paddlingadventuresradio.com. Find us on Facebook and you can find us on Instagram. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. Bye.